Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Today on Brand Story, Inc., we are joined by Leo McCafferty, the Vice President of Content and Production for the Pittsburgh Penguins, a rather iconic team in the National Hockey League. Leo has been with the Penguins for nine years, and prior to joining the organization, he had stops on the career journey as a producer at NFL Films and a production assistant at the Pittsburgh Steelers while he was a student at his alma mater, Penn State University. Welcome to the show, Leo. Thanks a lot, Jay. Excited to do this, and uh, it's, it's an honor to be on here with you. Oh, I appreciate that. We're excited to jump in, too. I, so let's do that. I mean, I think the thesis of Brand Story, Inc. is organizations that understand their media companies are going to win the long game, and, and the Pittsburgh Penguins fit that bill. So, uh, you know, just for our audience, you have 5.5 million social media followers. PBG Paints Arena is a touch point. You've got relationships with media networks. And a slew of brands, including 12 founding partners uh, of PBG Paints Arena. So let's set the stage. Explain the content organization structure you have, your team, and, and how you view content creation in general. Sure, yeah. So as you've said, I've, I've been there for nine years, and it's certainly evolved over those years. But as we stand now, um, our, our content team is sort of all under one umbrella. So we have a large video production and motion graphics team. Um, I believe we have 11 full-timers right now in that group. Hmm. Um, we have a writer. We have a, a couple of radio broadcasters who also um, do podcasts. And then we have a, a whole social media team. So um, we are kind of uh, equipped in a way that we can handle almost anything. Um, and, and then on, on the side of that is we also have a creative team um, that, that really focuses on our brand, um, our, our brand guidelines and sort of the still graphics and, um, you know, print materials that we still utilize. So uh, we, we do, you know, for, for a sports team, we do have a pretty robust group that is equipped to to handle almost anything. And, um, you and know, we Leo, what's your social media team comprised of? How many folks? There are five full-time folks in our social media team. So our VP of digital heads up that team. Um, she's been with the organization for um, – probably since 2014 ish or so. Okay. Uh, and then, and then she has four folks under her and the past couple of years, um, as we've sort of have morphed, uh, you know, so, as social media has become media mm -hmm. and, and, uh, video production has become social media. We've, we've hired a motion graphics designer as well as a video producer mm -hmm. sort of directly in that line. So their focus is on social content distribution and um, and that's really their point of view. So we've expanded that group over the past few years to, to, to give them some more weaponry. You mentioned your VP of digital at the risk of getting two in the weeds. I do think I'd love to hear how as VP of content and production and your colleague who's VP of digital, how that works for the Penguins. Yeah, so uh, her and I have a great relationship. Um, coincidentally enough, she went to my high school and was in the mm. same graduating class as my mm. sister. So, so we have some uh, some ties there from the origin. What and high school? Both are, uh, Mount Lebanon High School. Mount Lebanon, uh, give a shout out! Holy smokes, yeah. that's pretty impressive. So, yeah, so we uh, we have um, we have 
you know, we, we had a, a foundation to begin with, but we also have the same point of view on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we have the same mindset that, you know, we have great stories to tell. We want to get them out to our fans in the best and most efficient way possible. And, um, you know, we're really aligned on the fact that, you know, social media is, um, is an evolution and, and the way that it has grown even just in the past five years has really changed the way that we've approached things as an organization and as a content team. So, uh, you know, kind of knowing that we're aligned and we're on the same page, mm -hmm. we really help each other out and, and can communicate with one another in terms of what our needs are. And if I say, hey, we have this great idea, we have a great story, I can lean on her to tell me the best way to distribute it, the best platforms to put it on. And, and likewise, she can come to me and say, hey, we need something for this platform. Here's the length. Here's the idea. Mm -hmm. And I can say, all right, here's how we can execute that. So. Um, you know, it is the, the, the lines are blurred a little bit because sure. they, we are so intertwined, um, yep. you know, but we have we, we certainly have a great relationship. And, and like I said, we're on the same page more often than not, which really helps things out. Well, Leo, I tend to caveat the heck out of questions. I'm not a great journalist in that regard and just don't get to the question. And, and <laughs> hey, there's something, you're, you're there's something the, to unpack there. But yeah, you're in the right forum. That's, that's what <laughs> podcasts are for. <laughs> but but I think, you know, look, I, I don't want this question to come across as it's most content creators now know it's not about it's not about quantity it's about quality but there is this mix of quantity and quality right that need to coexist to kind of satiate and and no more so than with a diehard sports fan base um, or a sports fan base in general and so with that as a long-winded caveat explain to us the volume of content that you're creating on a typical day and how that may or may not change between in season in the NHL season and out of the season just for context yeah, that's a great <clears throat> Yeah, it's a great question, and it's it's really hard to quantify uh, because every day is so different, and and we are catering to so many different audiences. You know, we create all of the content that appears in the arena for our games, so we have all of the game day content and creation. We have all of the we have two television shows. We we do that entirely in house. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of social content that's curated just for those platforms. We have a lot of partner integration and partner content that um you know that, that we are obligated to do in a sense and other things that we're not obligated to do that we want to do and then we can you know bonus to our partners so the 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 volume is um is really hard to quantify especially on a day-to-day -day basis we we just were talking about this the other day and um our our vp of digital she pulled the amount of videos that we put on social during our last fiscal year, and it was close to 5,000. Um, so it's just, there's a lot of, um, you know, and yeah. and there's certainly some repurposing in terms sure, of, you know, sure. something airs in game and we play it on social, but there's also a lot of original content for each of those individual outlets. So, um, you know, there's, there are, we do, we do value, um, you know, having quality over quantity, but, in the business that we're in quantity is uh, a necessary evil almost yeah there, there and, are so many things that we have to do and yeah. um you know we we do pride ourselves on, on trying to do all of them yeah i'm excited uh, to know, dig into that right quality. because i think unlike other brands sports has unique advantage in this tribal following and community engagement it's got it's got both unique challenges which we'll talk about and and some inherent advantages maybe to kind of like a consumer facing brand so um, but I want to dig into that. But first, before we do that, from the outside looking in, you know, you may call your division something else. I look at 
between yourself and your colleague who's VP of digital, um, I look at it as a content studio, right? You have a source of unparalleled access to the team. You've got the ability to connect with fans, uh, Penguins fans on your own channels, your assets. You get to work with local and national media entities, the league. How has the perspective of the Penguins organization changed in general um, to where we are in 2020, pandemic notwithstanding, between you and your colleague and, and kind of the content studio value proposition within the larger organization? Yeah, so that fits perfectly into everything that we've been talking about. You know, when I arrived at the organization, um, you know, we were built and structured in an entirely different way. We would create content, we would create videos for our website. And then we would give them to social and say, here you go, do what you want with them. Mm -hmm. And we've totally reverse engineered that where we now are building content for specific social platforms. We're building content for specific outlets and honestly specific audiences um, because people uh, are going to specific places looking for the kind of content that they like. Mm -hmm. And we want to bring that to them. We don't want them to have to seek us out. So we have structured ourselves in a way now where we're sort of built for the future as opposed to built for the past. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there, there were a lot of, uh, recurring web videos that I did when, or that we did when I arrived. Um, and, and they worked great then they worked well for our partners. They worked well for our content team. Uh, but as, as time and sort of the social dynamic has evolved, we have realized that that's not the most efficient way to get our content out there. And that's not how people want to view it. You know, they don't want to tune in on a Monday afternoon for the latest piece of content from the penguins. So we have really focused on trying to create uh, an environment that we are able to produce the kind of content and the kind of, um, you know, videos that are appropriate for specific platforms and that will engage with those fans and ultimately perform, the best as they can uh, based on those audiences. So I've been holding on on this question and this one we're going to dive in on. How do you segment your audience? How do you segment your audiences and therefore your content creation? So we, we look at things as um, you know, a good story is a good story. If we have good content, if it's highly produced, if it's well done, people are going to engage with it. There's obviously different age demographics, there's different, um, you know, view times, there are different limitations with different Mm -hmm. platforms, different outlets, different distribution channels. So we look at things as, you know, here's a story that we want to tell, or here's a piece of, uh, of content that is associated with a partner, or here is an in-game feature that we want to produce. You know, is this, are we targeting our season ticket holders with this? Are we looking for, engagement on this? Are we looking for views on this? Are we looking for people to click through and, and, um, you know, make a purchase on something and all of those decisions are made. And then we kind of go about creating the -hmm. content. So we have, uh, you know, we have a questionnaire that our partners fill out where we're, you know, we, we, we call them partners and not sponsors because we truly value that relationship and we want them to get the most out of it. So we're trying from the beginning, okay, you have a, a, a sponsored piece of video content that's going to air on social channels. What's your goal? You know, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to drive foot traffic to your store? Are you trying to have people just view this piece of content? Mm-hmm. Are you simply trying to, you know, engage your brand with our brand? And once we get an understanding of, of why they want to do something, we feel that we're able to create something 
and uh, really deliver on that and, and segment our audience in those ways. I mean, at the root of it, we're a hockey team and the people that follow us or view our content in any form or fashion, they're hockey fans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a 14 year old kid living in Pittsburgh may want something different than, you know, our 40 um, year season ticket holder. Uh, and so how we communicate with those folks is different. Uh, that being said, we want to deliver them the same type of content in terms of how they want to engage with it, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think you touched on something that I think this is a this is where we're going to get a distinct difference between what you do and say just a consumer facing brand or even a B2B brand, right? That's non-sports. How do you and your colleagues look at growing a geographic based team, right? It's not like you're trying to pull market share from Philadelphia fans or Buffalo fans, but, and, and how is that different from a non-sports brand? Yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's a difficult proposition mainly because in hockey, more so than any of the other four major sports in the United States, we rely heavily on, um, our gate revenue. We, ha- we rely heavily on our season ticket holders in terms of revenue for our franchise and and the ability for our ownership group to spend to the cap to to put good players on the ice so we are focused on you know a a regional market in terms of those folks that will actually spend their dollars with us the folks Mm -hmm. who will come to a game the folks who um, you know, are able to not just be a follower of our brand, but a participant with our brand. That being said, we are always looking to grow our brand, to grow our fan base. I think something unique about Pittsburgh is the, uh, you know, the, the Pittsburgh fan base where, you know, th- there are arguably more Pittsburgh fans outside of Pittsburgh than there are in Pittsburgh. And if you look at whether it's a Penguins game or a Steelers game or a Pirates game, you know, in a way venue, mm-hmm. there are equally the same amount of fans for our team as their team, um, you know, which speaks to the, the you know, the, the people of this region in terms of these ties never leave. So we're always looking to grow our fans. Do we you, are. Do you get into like, sorry to jump in there, Leo. That's okay. Do you get into micro-targeting? So say, um, you know, pick a, pick a Penguins, a U.S. born or Canadian born Penguins player from town X. Do you then start looking at those players as their own influencers to try to build um, community and fan around those players or, or how do you kind of look at some of those tactics to potentially look at that second ring? Like there's a finite amount of, you put a, put a pin around the, you know, driving distance of Pittsburgh, who's going to go to a game. And then there's a second layer there, right. Of like building either displaced Penguins fans or, you know, I guess the outer ring maybe being potential new Penguins fans. How do you look at that? Yeah. So we do a lot of that. Um, and, and we do a lot of that on social and it's, it's honestly less about our foreign players and, and more about, um, you know, there's a lot of Canadian interest in our team. And, and certainly that's derived from Sidney Crosby mm-hmm. and also the sport that we play. Um, you know, so if we're playing a game uh, against Toronto or if we're playing, um, you know, a game against a Canadian team, we will, you know, we will target and, and try and, you know, reach those audiences, whether they're Penguins fans or not. And we have a large, a large Penguins fan base and following in the, you know, in Eastern Canada. So we, we will, okay. you know, we will promote tickets to the, you know, the mm-hmm. folks that are able to drive in, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we will target those. The, the overseas market is one that's a little bit 
trickier. Uh, there, even sure. even even things in terms of giveaways and contests. Yep. You know, th- there are rules and regulations that prohibit us from allowing us to engage with those folks or let them participate. So, you know, it, it's kind of hard for us, but we do have a large following overseas, and that is mainly because of players that we have you know if, mm-hmm. if there's a guy from sweden mm-hmm. or you know certainly a following in russia with with mm-hmm. evgeny malkin um mm-hmm. you know so I, I think that's an area that that is a bit untapped in terms of um uh, in terms of hockey in general mm-hmm. uh, they've done they've done some international series where they play games overseas and they'll they'll either try and align games with uh big superstars or players who are from that area um, so, so the game is being grown that way, but, um, you know, I think that there's more that could be done in terms of engaging an international audience. So then how do you develop and what do your content success metrics look like? Again, it goes back to what we are, what we're trying to achieve. So, you know, for, we have a behind the scenes TV show that's, um, that's been in existence since 2011 and and the the premise of that show was to bring our fans places they couldn't be it was to grow our brand it was to um you know make the game of hockey exciting and to introduce our players as people as opposed to hockey players there's in-game videos and and prompts that we do that you know the primary goal of that is to get the crowd on its feet and to make noise Mm -hmm. and then there are videos i love that (laughs) success metric being a decibel level achieved that's fantastic it it, it makes it hard to uh put a valuation and it may be a little bit uh objective but Mm -hmm. regardless it it tends to work um but then but then there are actual metrics in whether it's ratings for our games whether it's um you know engagements on social Mm -hmm. again it's it's we're kind of in a a unique situation and that that we aren't always focusing on one specific thing yep. as our as a team and and so we are we're evaluating things from a lot of different ways but certainly engagement um on social views click-throughs those sort of things are, are important to us um but really if there's a partner involved it's what is their goal if it's if it's just our brand what's the goal there and you know, if we're trying to move tickets, there's a lot of different messages that go out. So, right. um, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's fair to to say that this is what we're trying to achieve uh, as a well. It state. depends, right? Like you, you, as you described, there's different metrics for different audiences. There's existing stakeholders, potential like season ticket holder. Like there's a whole slew of them that you're talking about, and we'll get to branded content here in a second. But I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I, I was really impressed with. Um, both the the social media footprint that you have, along with the engagement, right? It's it's pretty easy to look from the outside and kind of see what's working and, and, and what's not with, with any brand. And so as it relates to that, I'm curious, from a social media perspective, what platforms are working best for you now and, and what's the reason behind that? I think that uh, Twitter is probably the one that is, is most effective for mm-hmm. us. Um, and it's, you know, it mainly because that's our our main uh, our main news outlet you know so again in the sign of the times you know if, if we had a major announcement if we had a trade if we had something like that there would be sort of a, a traditional press release that went out now that is our twitter handle that mm-hmm. that functions as is our outlet for all news all content um, and everything else it's also you know a, a place where there's a lot of conversation 
um, there's a place where a lot of, you know, there's, there's a large hockey community that's, that's on there. Mm -hmm. Um, Instagram for us has grown incredibly well over the past few years. Um, and, and we're always trying to engage the younger audience. So that's something that we're always focused on. And for us, it allows us to deviate a little bit from, from our traditional brand standards. You know, we have, um, our, we have a, uh, a motion graphics designer who's, you know, who's a pretty talented, almost cartoonist. So he does these graphics that are cartoons that, you know, are, are relevant on that platform. Mm-hmm. And so we're sort of able to play into those trends and, and sort of fit in with what else is going on. Um, and then one thing additionally that we just did is we just launched a new text platform, um, which allows for two-way conversation, hmm. which uh, we're, we're pretty excited about as um, we're, we have a group of season ticket holders who are on there and then just general fans. So it allows us to communicate with them one-on-one. And, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, someone replied and they obviously meant to text their significant other. It was their grocery <laughs> list. <laughs> and so, so the Pittsburgh Penguins replied and said, well, we can't help you with your groceries, but we can help you with this. And, and so, you know, it allows us to interface with them in a way that shows we're actual human beings and it's awesome. not just uh, you know a brand behind a computer so um you know we're, we're we're always looking at those sort of new and unique things and we're never afraid to be sort of the guinea pigs in terms of new technology new content uh whatever it may be to just try and uh try and engage with our fans well you teed me up, you teed me up perfectly leo for branded content or sponsored content right you you mentioned you yeah. have pbg paints arena you have 12 founding partners you mentioned before you call them partners not sponsors um what are what's an example of a branded content or sponsored content thing that you've done that you feel is kind of the model of where things should be so one of the things that we've done that, um, that that we're proud of as an organization is um, we've worked with a, a company based in Pittsburgh uh, called Cavestro, as well as Carnegie Mellon University. And um, heard of them? We, yeah. So we <laughs> what what we did is we we engaged um, with Carnegie Mellon and, and their students to come up with a way to make the game safer, and then Cavestro helped make the actual items so this is our third year of the product hmm. uh or of the program and, and and the first year what they did is they created um they created boards that are no different when the puck bounces off of them but they have a little bit more give in terms of if a player were to hit into the boards they might have a, a, a less likely chance of significant injury so That's so cool um, you know it's it's stuff like that where we're able to partner with um you know, a company that has sort of the same values as us. One of our, our cornerstones is to grow the game of hockey. Mm -hmm. And so, and make the game safer for kids. And so that's something where we're all invested in it. And it, and it doesn't feel like a piece of branded content. It Mm -hmm. feels like something that it it just feels good. You know, it feels Mm -hmm. like we're, we're trying to do the right thing. We're helping students, experience a real world situation we're helping a company sort of develop a new product and then we are you know we're aligning to to what our brand stands for and that's that is really cool so um you know that's that's one you know there there are a lot of examples of things that we've done but that's one that sticks out to me that it's you know the the content for it has been good but you know the, the the idea behind it is is something that is you know everyone was really proud of 
Well, well, speaking of ideas, I'm curious on how the pandemic has changed your approach to content creation. What are some of the positive or new best practices that you think you'll continue to employ when we're able to produce content free of some of the restrictions we've had and have? Yeah. So, I, I mean, and I know, um, I know not everyone listening is in the sports world, but, but for us in the sports world, from a, a big picture perspective, it, it has often been thought that there's no way that people can work remotely. Mm-hmm. And I think that we were obviously forced to do that, but also we have kind of thrived in doing that. And, and it's shown us that, you know, certainly when there are games being played, you know, people need to be there, but um, you know, when, the, when there's a West coast game, and we have folks here that are working until two in the morning, you know, they might be able to work more efficiently from home the next day, as opposed to getting up and driving into the office first thing in the morning. So mm-hmm. that was an eye opener for us as an organization. The, um, you know, the, the ability for people in our industry to work from home was was previously one that no one thought was possible and, and wasn't really willing to you know, make an effort to see if it would work just because of the seeming obstacles that would be faced. Um, from a content perspective, it's it's forced us to look at how we archive things, what our uh, mm-hmm. resources are if if we do need to work remotely. What um, so like video know, what, file sharing and that kind of workflow perspective? Yes. Okay. Yep. And then also what what kind of technology is out there um, that that can help us achieve certain goals without the actual human interaction. So. For example, we uh, just yesterday we did a uh, a ride along with our coach Mike Sullivan in his mm-hmm. car. Now mm-hmm. he and our cameraman were comfortable with them being in the same space, wearing masks, mm-hmm. and, and they they took the appropriate precautions. But what we did is we figured out a way to mount a camera on a uh, you know behind a GoPro and have it be recorded in two ways, so you could have a, a two way conversation. Mm. And have, you know, have that video component there as if the person was there. So it's a it's a live question and answer while he's driving his car. Everything That's is like the person example. is there, yeah. but they're not there. So it's that sort of stuff. If, if there's a producer that's working on something but doesn't have the five hours to go out in the field mm-hmm. to, you know, to, for that for the 25 minute shoot that his part is his or her part is, uh, you know, active for you know, there's this element now that, that we found that they could be working on something else. And then, Hey, when we're ready to go, you, you, you call in and you log in. So there's that aspect of it as well as, um, you know, we've used WebEx meetings for a lot of things and yeah. we've used them for player availabilities as well. So, uh, the players, what uh, I love, you know, I'm going to jump in there. One of the things I love that I saw was that you used an internal communication as a piece of content, right? So you used excerpts of a WebEx or some video conferencing uh, between the coach and your new draft picks and kind of shared yes. snippets of that conversation. It was like the first time they're meeting the coach and it was like, holy cow, this is awesome content, right? It's like, and I love that because I don't think, I think you're you're going to like, you know, master's class in thinking about content. Um, a lot of people think of it, I got to go set something up, shoot something, do something proactive as opposed to kind of pulling back and looking internally and being like, 
Well, that's pretty interesting. Our fans would love to be in on. You know, obviously, you selected it, so you're not giving away trade secrets. But you know that that I was like, that is awesome, and it was just kind of cool because I'm looking. I'm like, holy! I can't remember the player. I'm like, he looks like he's 14, drinking a cup of coffee, <laughs> and this is like his first. It was just awesome. There's something about that that was just um, so authentic that I was like, that's great content. Yeah, that's that's a word that we use often as we try and be authentic to ourselves and to our fans. And, you know, the, the, what we can provide that we do best are behind the scenes access. We we, right. we like to take people where they can't be yep. and the energy of our game. You know, the en- mm-hmm. energy of our game is is really something that sets our game apart. And, you know, when we try and get behind the scenes and we try and do things, we act as a fly on the wall. That being said, there's still a human being standing in a room, which makes people right. aware that they're there. So that example that you brought up, that is normally a development camp over the course of a week with our coaches, with the new draft picks and some of our younger players. And we're able to do some things, but we're not able to necessarily be in the team meetings mm-hmm. when it's done virtually on a WebEx. And there's, uh, you know, there's a square at the bottom of the screen. No one knows who that is and we're just recording this so it's we we truly are a fly on the wall in that scenario Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make anyone uncomfortable right and you know the the way that we've built trust with our team is that we're all in this together we're not we're not out here to burn anybody and we're not going to put anything out that you're uncomfortable with so um you know the access that we've been granted in terms of building that trust one and then now you know some of these virtual meetings and, and situations makes it a lot easier for those folks to conduct themselves as they would if, if no one else was there because they don't really tell that anyone's there. Very cool. I, I just met you, but I'm willing to guarantee uh, a pretty significant bet that you have a list of things that you would love to do that you don't have the resources or budget to do. That being said, <laughs> that being said, the resources that you do have for some or even many of our listeners who may have content studios that may be like, say, three, five, even up to 10 people um, are listening to this and saying, oh my gosh, I would love to have the resources that you have. So I'm curious what advice you'd have for smaller content studio leaders who don't have the resources that the Penguins have as as they think about things and where we are in 2020. Yeah, so to sort of go back to the beginning, I think the the philosophy of most content creators is, um, as you said, quality over quantity. And yes, we, we have a, a pretty substantial team. Uh, we certainly, as a professional sports franchise, have, have some resources that you know we know that we're lucky to have and, and we try not to take for granted. That being said, almost anything that we do never has a team larger of three to five people. So uh, I guess my advice would be to, to focus on the things that you do really well and, and to do them really well and to not worry about trying to do a lot of different things mm-hmm. to not get bogged down by the numbers game. Like, Oh, we only have this number of people. Like we can't do this, 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 and this. Well, well, what can you do? You know, what can you focus on? What are you able to accomplish with that group? And then that, you know, success breeds more success. It breeds more, uh, you know, breeds more revenue, which could breed more bodies, which could breed more equipment, you know? It, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, kind of, uh, it's yeah, good advice. It, I'm, I'm looking at, it's funny. I'm looking at a book, uh, and I have no skin in this game that's sitting on my desk called the one thing by Gary Keller. I don't know if you've read it, uh, New York times I've, bestseller, it's a business book, but you know, it's, it's, 
it's very much to that point. It's focused on, I think there's this notion of trying to keep up with the Joneses or, you know, disguise yourself to be kind of like everyone else where it's like, do the one thing, focus on that one thing, right? And it can be a few things, but have it be, you know, to your point, if it's like, okay, if the one thing was concentrate on satisfying your partners, right, in a way that's authentic, like do that really well, whatever it is. And the, the, the entire book is kind of how that actually gets you further quicker than trying to kind of hedge and do a lot of things um, that you don't have the resources to do. So pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I agree. It, it, it kind of reminds me of this, um, you know, this phrase that my, my grandfather used to tell me when I was younger. And, and he said, you know, being wealthy is just a different form of poverty, no matter where you are, no matter how many people, there's always things that you mm-hmm. could want more of. There's mm-hmm. always more people. There's always more resources. There's always something else, but, but what you have more often than not is enough. Mm-hmm. If you focus your energy and, and resources in the right direction. Well said. So last business question before we turn personal here on you. And that's what trends in content are you watching now that you believe might be game changers for you and the penguins from a business perspective? So you sort of touched on it before in terms of uh, micro-targeting and and focusing on players and where they're from. Um, You know, hockey as a sport uh, and the athletes uh, that that play the game are are a little less focused on their own brand than some other, um, you know, some other sports. And, And I think that for us, we always try and bring out that personality in the players and something that I think has become more and more clear is that the younger generation, uh, they are more fans of the athlete than they are the team. Mm, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they like the, they, they're fans of the, the name on the back of the Jersey more so than the one on the front. And, and that for sports teams is, um, you know, is a little bit scary because that's, uh, you know, you grow that affinity to your brand and then no matter who joins that brand, that's part of your team. So I think for us, um, you know, we obviously as, as a business and as an organization, we need to keep our fan base engaged. We need to keep our fans as fans of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, but how can we use our players in terms of, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, a kid from, uh, you know, Los Angeles, who is, oh, you know what, this Jake Gensel, I, I really like him. Like, mm-hmm. he's really a, a cool personality. I like the way he dresses. Mm-hmm. I like the way that he carries himself. I like that he plays this game on Twitch. You know, how can we utilize our assets um, to, to grow our fan base in a way that the, the younger generation wants to associate? So, um, you know, we're, we're sort of starting to think about that in terms of, um, you know, what we can do to sort of engage the younger demographic uh, in a way that, that they're interested in engaging. Very cool. All right, now we flip to personal with Mount Lebanon's finest here. Morning musts. <laughs> Fess up on some of the secret sauce of sources for what you read or watch to say on top of industry news. So uh, much like much like our uh, our social media team, I, I, I tend to um, – be slightly addicted to Twitter. So I, I yeah. usually will go there for my news in the morning, uh, for our industry, the sports business journal, mm-hmm. um, they, they produce a lot of quality content and insights. Um, my career began in the NFL, so I'm, I'm still a pretty big fan. So, uh, you know, if there's something that Adam Schefter doesn't know, I'd be shocked. But <laughs> he's, a, uh, he's a staple in terms of who I follow, but I, I just follow a lot of industry folks, um, you know, that, 
that provide either good information or good content, uh, you know, and always just trying to to learn and, and keep up with with sort of what's new, what's trending, and you know, what are things that we could do to to make ourselves better. All right, final uh, final question to light the lamp here, bedside bookstand. What book have you read recently for fun? Well, the uh, this this pandemic has certainly eaten into my uh, my book reading, and I'll, I'll caveat reading with listening because I, I had a, a fairly decent commute to work, so I, I would spend a lot of that time to and from listening to books. Um, so I, I'm not reading one now, but uh, the the last few that I've read that, that I that I really enjoyed were um, I read a book uh, called Start with Why by Simon Sinek. Which, sure. You know, you know, I, I think a lot of people have read, but I just I find that, um, you know, compelling and, and a, a good resource to always think about um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, which is, a you know, I just think it's a tremendous story about how he built his brand and, you know, he never gave up. Um, and then the uh, the aforementioned Adam Schefter, he wrote a, a memoir called The Man I Never Met, which uh, if you're not familiar with his story, he he married a woman mm-hmm. who was widowed after nine yeah. um, 11. And, and it was just a, a fascinating story into all of the emotions and, and intricacies that go into um, what, you know, his life now and, and how that, and how that came to be and how that affects everyone. And um, you yeah, know, I, ESPN I did a story, uh, did a feature on that. And I saw, I happened to catch a couple of years ago. I can't remember which program it was, but to your point, I mean, it kind of bundles in the start with why and why you and I are in content. And it's just like you watch that story and you're like, okay, this is why I do what I do. Like to see that story yeah. and to tell it, to move people in a way to be like, here's a really cool human being and a really cool story. Um, right. I mean, I think yeah, it's kind of a nice bow on, on, on how both lucky you and I are to be in a space where we get to do, get paid to do stories for a living. So um, very cool. Well, Leo, I, I want to thank you for your time. This has been awesome. I, I love what um, the ability for you to kind of pull the curtain back on what you're doing at the Penguins, and it's it's why I'm so excited to have you on here. You guys are really looking. Uh, you're a model for Brand Story Inc. in terms of how you and your team are, are thinking about um, content and the business of content within the Penguins ecosystem. So thank you so much for your willingness to share your time and your insights today. Oh, it was my pleasure, Jay. Thanks so much for having me, and uh, I enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.